Becky O'Connor, Head of Pensions and Savings at Interactive Investor, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Slow Money Podcast. It's a brand new podcast brought to you by Interactive Investor, where we quiz some of the industry's finest minds on what, to many of us, is now the most important topic in investment, sustainability, or as this area is sometimes known in the trade, ESG, that's environmental, social and governance factors. What is slow money? Now, most of us want to live more sustainably. There are movements for how to do so in almost all areas of life, from what we wear to how we travel to what we eat. One branch of sustainable living has involved a focus on slowing down what we do. The idea is to do things more slowly, to do them better and get more out of less. There's the slow food movement, for example, and slow news. So now we bring you the concept of slow money. This idea says a lot about what we are as a business. At Interactive Investor, we highlight the benefits of long-term investing for regular investors who want to make their money grow and beat inflation to meet their life goals. Going slow and steady means you can still win the race, so you can still expect gains, but hopefully a bit less stress. I'm very excited to be joined today by Nigel Wilson. Nigel is Chief Executive of the Pensions, Insurance and Investment Giant, Legal and General. He's been in charge for almost a decade, and in that time, assets under management have risen to more than $1.3 trillion. LNG has been at the forefront of some pretty forward-thinking investment strategies, uh, such as in areas like affordable housing, infrastructure, and even science parks. Now, ever since I started becoming involved in sustainable investing, coincidentally, around the same time as Nigel became chief executive, I've observed LNG's efforts in this area. Um, given LNG is a long-term investor responsible for the retirement outcome of millions of people in the UK, um, and it has such a strong reputation for ESG, Nigel's the perfect guest for slow money. Can you tell me how... LNG has led on ESG. There's a lot of G's there, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, ESG investing during your time as chief executive. Well, we view ESG and climate change as the biggest investment opportunity of a lifetime. And you know, LNG was started in 1836 and originally invested in what was the ESG equivalent of that day, you know, building the, the transportation, building houses, and that's what the balance sheet looked look like all of those years ago. And it's, again, it's a super exciting time. Science and technology is moving forward at an incredible pace. And we can invest in all of this stuff. And whether it's in ground source heating or it's in uh, renewable energy, it's in solar, it's in all of the, the parts of the life science, and the world is trending towards this. You know, it was a sort of niche idea a number of years ago, which we loosely labeled uh, inclusive capitalism. And we, we ended up using the word patient capital rather than slow money. But I must admit that your term slow money, I think, is a better one so for people to understand. Because you put your money away and we look after it for a very long period of time. And then you get more, uh, more returns as a consequence of the quality of investment, the types of investment that we, we were engaged in. And um, everyone's becoming a convert to this. I really sense this, whether I'm in Japan or China or, or America or parts of Europe and here in the UK. And we have a wonderful opportunity to, in the UK to become a world leader 
in this whole area. And I'm super, super excited about it. There's a lot to do. You know, the E on environmental and climate, you know, we're not doing enough. It's going too quick, quickly, um, too, too slowly. And the S, there's simply not enough S investing uh, at the moment at, at all. It's quite a lot of G. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of Gs in your opening comments. But um, you know, we just need to do a lot more. We need to talk a lot less and do a lot more. You would think, wouldn't you, that ESG come together quite naturally, but we do tend to think of them as separate areas. Do you think there are any examples of investments where they where they can all come together neatly? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'll give you a great example of that. You know, we built the suddenly the largest modular housing factory in Europe, maybe the, the world. It's an enormous place outside of uh, Leeds near Sel- Selby, and it manufactures EPC, aerated uh, housing. Um, we've got a project in Bristol, which is a regeneration project, and uh, a large part of that is affordable housing. So we're hiring apprenticeships, skilling them up in the north, very much you know, le- levelling up. We're building these environmentally efficient housing. It's got a great social purpose uh, uh, around it. And, you know, we're managing it for all the right reasons. Um, we think this is a role model for lots of other examples like that across the across the country. You know, we've got you know, housing for homeless people in in Croydon, where we're working with you know the local council, and it's the same theme. Is you know things that are we we, we call them economically and socially useful, but but in, increasingly they have a, an environmental context around that and. Um, my generation's done a number of very selfish things, I think, and around, you know, education was free for me, housing went up massively during my, my, my lifetime, and we had great DB pensions, and we, we haven't given any of the younger people today the, the, the same, same, you know, great things, and, but we can give them a great environment, and I think it's our job to give people this you know, wonderful uh, environment, because it's an investment that will make a difference, but also make a return. And that's what it is. You know, energy is used to be clean and green and very expensive. Now it's clean and cheap, green and very cheap. And so we can do all the things that we want to do at a societal level based on a totally different paradigm from the one that I you know, first got involved in over 30 years ago. It's like having your cake and eating it, isn't it? It is, it is having your cake and eating it. Well, you know, put a, an environmentally friendly cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vegan cake. A vegan um, cake, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have vegan cakes, actually. So you just have to, with with the patient capital idea, maybe wait longer for those returns. Is that the idea? So you have to give um, them a chance. No, I think it's that you can have the confidence to invest over a longer period of, of time. And you know, we're not into fast money and you know, uh, you know trading of you know, ten minutes and all all, all that part of it. Or um, making, I'm trying to maximise quarterly earnings all the time. You know, I'm. You know, the chief executive, I'm sort of custodian of the company for a period of time. It's been around since 1836. And so um, so we think of it as the biggest commercial opportunity ever as well, as well as, you know, being a really good thing to do. And we, we have this thing that we're economically and socially useful in everything we do. And it is, you know, electric vehicle charging. We, we have so on Podpoint, which is the UK's largest electric vehicle charging business. That would be a commercial success because, you know, you know, when we started on these journeys, it looked quite tough. But actually, as people's behaviours have become aligned with the, the net zero 
targets and actually wanting to do the right things, that's going to happen. In the middle of the um, the, the pandemic, we, we took a 35% share in the UK's largest ground source heat pump business. And again, because they're now linked with us, they don't have to worry about money, they don't have to worry about client relationships, they don't have to worry that, they, you know, that they've got to keep the factories going or whatever, because we just naturally supply so much demand. We have an electric car leasing business called Onto, which is again great value and and will become a commercial success. And so, what we're good at is taking startup ideas from people and making them into scaled up businesses. And that's what the UK has been poor at for a long period of time. And therefore, there's lots of investment opportunities for people to invest in these startups, which are you know a part of our DNA as as a, as a firm watch as we build them into you know very successful scale of business with all the right values behaviors a couple of names there and i I, i'm familiar with them i don't know if it's because i'm an ev driver but pod point you know they're already becoming more familiar to us aren't they um as consumers and i wonder if that consumer demand for those products and for the electric vehicles and the charge points is what's going to then increase interest in investing in this stuff too yeah, we hope so, because many of these things are going to become investable to the public. And that's part of you what know, we want to democratise investment, if you like, whether, uh, in, in a meaningful way, because lots of these things were invested by private investors on the wealthy side of the uh, scale. And therefore, not normal people, normal retail investors didn't really get an opportunity to invest, to invest in them. You know, part of our job is to facilitate that investment and make it, it so you know things that become household names like PopPoint or onto or, or many other things that we that we do, you have an opportunity to to invest in. And, and it's the same for you know EPC aerated housing. You know, we will create investment vehicles which public will be able to to invest in. And you know that you're helping the climate at the same time as people are paying rent on an environmentally friendly, super energy efficient. Uh, housing and so um, it, it's a sort of wonderful synergy between what's good for the economy, what's good socially, what's good environmentally, but actually it's going to deliver a financial return to people and, and reduce their energy bills, presumably as well. Massive, massively, massively reduce your energy bills. I mean, we're actually we, certainly when we're doing the design phase, we're a bit worried about you know the becoming so airtight and so super efficient that um, um, people would sort of forget. You know, you do need a bit of air to come through these through these places, and um, the because and it's very it's a very interesting part of life that you never accept you know, a car where the, the door didn't quite fit and the colours weren't quite the same and the the the, 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 the floor wasn't uh, level. Whereas in housing, we've accepted that for a long period of, of time. Whereas the, the world's changing, so you can build equally. You know, Houses which are equally as efficient, if you want, as cars from a, uh, and we can build super efficient electric cars. So the the science and technology is not the problem anymore. It used to be the problem, but it isn't. The money is available there, and we're now just trying to get it so that normal people can invest in those things and and and, have a, and, and get a great return as a consequence of uh, of do, doing that. Well, this brings us really neatly onto pensions, doesn't it? Is there anything that's particularly suited about um, investing uh, in in ways that are environmentally and socially beneficial that suits pensions in particular? Yes, yes. I mean, you know, your your DC pension, you're you're going to have it for 30 or 40 
GMOs. And you're going back to the patient capital small money theme that uh, you, you're developing, is most people tick the default button and then they put it away. And my friends have won the Nobel Prize for economics, so realized that's what they did with their, their pension. It took then so a couple of years before they retired, have a quick look at it, see, see it. And with the mobile phone uh, in, in particular and technology, we'll be able to change that. So people will have a much more interactive relationship with their pension funds and we can make them much more specific and say, actually, this is a great investment for the next 20 years, you know, that the, the advanced transportation, which is environmentally friendly, and here's a whole bunch of assets that we might pull together, which you can invest in. Would you like to invest in this? You can just tick, tick it and it'll happen because um, uh, we've democratised investment around around that. And we might have to put that in the default fund because people are just so behaviourally used to thinking, oh, there's five options, I'm going for that option C, which says default fund, very friendly. And we have, we'll have to get people to maybe also make choices and put choices in things that, you know, align with their values and beliefs and behaviours. And, you know, as you rightly said, pod point and onto and things like this are becoming brand names now. I think our, our, our housing, which is, will be super environmentally friendly, will be the same. People say, I want to buy a car home because its energy is provided by air source, a ground source heating, it's got solar panels, it's got a pod point charging mechanism around there. And it represents great value from, a, from an environmental point of view. How far away do you think we are from this tipping point where people only demand this from their products and from their investments? Do you think we'll ever reach that? No, I think we're, we're reaching it. I mean, I'm super excited by you know what I'm seeing, you know, even in China and Japan and, and even in America, which is all, you know, two years ago, this was never talked about. You know, it was, you know, the nomenclature was dominated by you know, big oil and, uh, and a different type of government. And, you know, Biden's come out firing on all, all this sort of stuff. And so, uh, and the science and technology works and is producing environmentally friendly products at an ever cheaper price, which help drive customer behavior, which deliver economies of scale, if you like, and allow us to provide great products, which represent great value as well, but they're environmentally environmentally friendly. And yes, there's some science still to crack, you know, green hydrogen is, you know, is, is one area. But, you know, think of what we've just done in the pandemic. You know, you know, unbelievable the success of science and unbelievable in the speed of implementation that we that we've achieved. And we can do the same in so many other areas because the science is so good and the technology is so good. And we can just look at you and I on this particular the call it, it's super that we can do these things so easily right right now because the technology is so uh, amazing and it's it's going back to this is like the 1850s and 1860s again when you know for several thousand world years the, the, the world hardly grew from an economic viewpoint and suddenly there was a massive wave of, of clever science we've got exactly the same thing going on right, right now and we need to invest in it make stuff happen and stop talking and pledging and just get on with doing stuff Maybe we need a name for it, like the green era. That's not quite catchy enough. No, you, it's your job to think of things. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a brander or a marketeer, uh, but actually, you know, the whole, you know, the whole theme around make my money matter is is a great thematic, I think, for for for, for people. You need, you know, what does that really mean, and what behaviours do we need to drive? And you know, as I said before, energy has to be clean, green 
and very expensive, but lots of other products used to be clean, green, and very expensive. Now we can we can actually transform people's lives, but also transform their investment portfolio at the same time and deliver a great return for them using slow money. Zero then, like, I mean, at the moment we have sort of 2050 as a, as a date that people have in mind. Do you think yeah. we could actually bring that forward if the, you know, if it continues to accelerate the, the rate of? Yes. Yeah, I think we should be front end loading, as you could imagine. I think that we should be front front end loading. If if if, if your camera was here, you'd see I have a bike in the corner of my office. So I either you know walk, jog, or, or cycle to cycle to work. And uh, I think everyone can change their behaviours a bit to help us on that journey and accelerate that journey. But the investment dollar, the investment pound can be used to invest in things that are really going to make a difference around that. And it doesn't require a sacrifice. You know, if I go back 20 or 30 years ago, it was I bought some green energy. Gosh, it's five times as expensive as as whatever. I've heard about these electric cars. They cost, you know, 20 or 30 times as much as a, a, a normal a normal car. And that doesn't happen anymore. And all of these brilliant ideas by entrepreneurs in Britain and the great scientists can be pulled together by money. And it's capital that's often that's, that's required. And it's slow money that's uh, required to really make it happen. Well, it's going around. It, it is. It is, absolutely. But this is, I mean, you know, to, to the cynics, this is a useful point, isn't it? Because it's not, it's not necessarily that you have to believe in climate change or anything to then invest in this way. It's actually just that this is the way things are going in yeah. the same way they did through the Industrial Revolution, in the same way any change happens. It's just the way of things. Um, yeah. So it kind of doesn't matter what your thoughts are on it in a way. Yes, no, absolutely. I think it's a great investment for everyone. If it absolutely aligns with your own values and beliefs and behaviours, it's even better because you feel so good about about doing something that's helping, you know, a whole bunch of uh, young people who come out of university or whatever, and they've got to start a business and it's scaling up and they've got some great ideas. And that's what's so wonderful about it. And we're only just starting on this sort of exponential journey and it's accelerating all the time. And the more success we have, the quicker things will happen and we'll end that 2050 day and move forward. You know, if you talk to people in Denmark, they're not talking about 2050. You go to Copenhagen and, they, you know, it's so environmentally friendly. It's, it's breathtaking when you go with it. And it's, you know, everybody has the language. Everybody, there's no ifs and buts and doubts about it. it you know, they're hugely committed to, you know, doing the right thing. And they, they're the, they nearly always come as the happiest country in the world. You know, he's always seen the first one, two or three. It's always Denmark. And so they're living these, these values and behaviours. That's what's so exciting about it. Well, it'd be so nice if we'd get the UK to number one on that particular chart, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, either of them, you know, closest to net zero or and or happy. And I think the two work together. You know, that's what I think is wonderful about it. There's um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, with the pandemic, there's been more um, kind of worries for some people around retirement, whether they're going to have enough to live on in retirement. Um and that might mean that to them that the concern is more the financial stuff rather than um, they may feel that they can't really afford to be interested in sustainable investing as such. Um, for those people, what do you think this really means, the idea of slowing money and investing environmentally and um, socially? Do you, do you think that has any resonance for them? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, certainly I, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about what we should be investing on as a company with people's pensions. Believe we are the biggest one of the biggest pension managers in the world, and as you mentioned, we've got one point three trillion. That's one thousand three hundred billions. And people struggle with what a billion is. Never mind uh, a, a, a trillion. And so they sh- they shouldn't. They should just think. Of, this is just the, as you rightly said. This is the way the world's going. And this is the sort of investments, and and it's really fun because it's it, it's it's a new opportunity. It's a new opportunity for the UK as well because uh, you know we can lead the world in renewable energy and offshore wind, efficiency of solar panels, in building an EV infrastructure and all the cars that are required to. We can get hydrogen buses quicker than and anybody else, and, and make all these and get good jobs around all those things because actually that's part of the the virtuous circle. And what I was talking about, you know, the, the modular factory, you know, that taking on apprenticeships, and uh, that's all part of this virtual circle that we're creating here in the UK. Totally. Well, I, I'm I'm 100% sold on it. And actually, just listening to you talk about all of the different investments that are available makes me feel better because sometimes you sort of think, is it just about renewable energy? And and all all the, those that you have given us examples yeah. of, it's not. It's way more than renewable energy to this. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a whole area around agribusiness, on you know water purification, on you know investing in biodiversity, and you know it isn't just planting trees. We're just beginning to understand the science of how we can make the environment a carbon capturer in in a much more efficient uh, way. And again, that's going to be another investment opportunity for people. I mean, I. I I think greenwashing will disappear and that people will hold people to account who are just seen to greenwash and actually, you know, it's show me the money, actually. Where's the money gone? What's it doing? And what difference is it making from a societal point of view? Uh, and we can solve the housing crisis by building modular, super efficient, energy efficient housing. You know, we've got a million people in the UK so on the housing waiting list. Shocking. And you know, we're just starting work with... Um, uh, Sir Michael Marmot, who is a, you know, a wonderful uh, professor and did all that work on health inequality. Sadly, we've made no progress at all in the last 10 years. But again, people live in really good housing uh, and you know, get, get, you know, get access to um, great education because we've got the technology to, to, to democratise that at the same time. And we know health is wealth, that all of these things work together and we can build a much better society as a consequence of, uh, of, of that. And... We can do it at scale because there are firms like ours that are putting a billion pounds behind an investment opportunities. Not a lot of money if you've got another 1,299 of them hanging around in, in other areas. And so firms like ours will attract more money because we're, we're, we're doing the right thing. It's such a great opportunity to do the right thing in a world where politicians are on short terms and there's a lot of talk about them not making decisions for the long term. You know, you, you're in charge of a pensions business that is fundamentally a long-term business which gives you this great opportunity um, it does. and what what i mean what do you think you're most proud of now you've been in there at the top nearly for 10 years if you had to pick one thing yeah i think the, the thing that um yeah, you know I, I grew up in a council estate you know and originally a two two bedroom house and shared the bedroom with my sister um, and then we moved to three bedroom one, which was super exciting because it was my own bedroom. Uh, not very big, it's about eight foot by four foot, but it was mine. And uh, and so, uh, but you know, we've been on the leveling up agenda for 
you know, all, all, all my tenures and to, to when I was finance director as well. In fact, all my life, really part of that is, you know, to search for the truth for the common good. Um, uh, uh, Isaiah Berlin interviewed me many years ago. Courtney asked me, was that my purpose? Having listened to what I said, he said, you sound like me, you were searching for the truth for the common good, Nigel. And I hadn't thought of it like that. I, I still let off it used it ever since. But I got lucky, is that social mobility was possible in my age. You know, I went to great schools, fantastic teachers, great mentors and coaches, and they opened tons of doors for me. You know, I see they're levelling up and the types of things that we're doing as you know, a, a great achievement, and and we're only just we're only just starting. Yeah, it's it's fantastic that we you know we've regenerated in Salford and, and Cardiff and Newcastle and all of these places. We you know into the housing industry on a massive scale and are transforming that. And our people here just feel you know totally empowered and they're all bought into doing the right thing. But actually, the Build Back Better leveling up at the ten points on climate first time we've got a government that sort of agrees with the policy that we've been adopting for quite a long time and we we can work in parallel with them and um you know, john godfrey and myself have been around to you know number 10 and number 11 lots of times and the first thing we always say to them is we don't need any money and nobody ever goes to 10 or 11 and say we don't need any money so we've got plenty of money we just need better policies which allow us to redirect this investment into and people with a vision that's you know it's not 18 months or two years because if you're in a ministerial post that's you know how long you're, you can be expect to be in those in those jobs and that that need as you rightly point out for politicians to have a very long-term vision that's why we've been so successful at the city level because those politicians are held accountable by the local people they have a great passion and pride for the city that they, they work in and they want to make a difference for the long term. So they've been much more natural partners for us in our levelling up and build back better uh, agenda. You know, we want to invest in real assets, for the real economy, creating real jobs to pay real wages for people. Because the UK is still a low growth, low productivity, low wage economy, underskilled and underinvested in. And our job and lots of other people's job is to... Um, stop that and really make a difference but it aligns with esg right now and it's the biggest investment opportunity in the world absolutely agree to- a brilliant opportunity and and uh you know one that will maybe take years to to play out you know we're not going to see it's not a tick box exercise this is it we're going to be uh you know just watching the improvements gradually i think uh, I think some of it's going to happen very quickly. I'm, I'm not yet, you know. I think, oh, we'll okay. have a, I think we'll have an EV infrastructure uh, in a couple of years across the UK, and people will stop having fear range when they go and thinking about buying a car. I'm going to get stranded in the Scottish Highlands. There'll be nowhere around, and um, you know, people are going to have them in their houses and and at the supermarkets and the gyms and pubs and and wherever. And so uh, that will fuel the you know the growth in electric vehicles. I think. The, the government, uh, both the central government, will really get on the, the case of you know, buses and, cu- and trucks and stuff that are not energy efficient and are not, certainly not um, green energy efficient and really make a difference on that. People start building houses that look, um, you know, uh, uh, fantastic. I think the, the, the science around food production is going to be amazing. And uh, we, um, you know, we, we'll see you know, people are eating healthier as well. Yeah, I mean, all this is great news for the planet, of course, because this is an urgent thing. You know, in a way, we don't have time for the patient capital um, if we're thinking purely in uh, in planetary terms, do we? Yeah, you know, there is yeah, an urgent. Yeah, front end loading. 
yeah, we've got to do front end loading of all, all of this stuff. And you know, we've we we had a red card when the financial crisis came around. We had to make radical changes to the banking system, financial system. We've got two yellow cards at the moment: one for for uh, climate and one for health for the pandemic. And I hope those are a wake-up call to everyone and say, we don't want red cards for these things. We actually want to get on and make a difference to make sure people can live healthy lives and live longer, healthier lives, but also live in a in a, in a net zero world where we're not destroying the uh, planets at the same time, because that's the right outcome for a societal point, point, point of view as well. We all live better, better lives. Oh, I think that was an excellent point to end on. Um, thank you so much. Your insight is really valuable. And I feel that optimism has actually brushed off a little bit. I was feeling a little bit depressed about the um, global outlook and feeling a bit better now. Um, so, And that's that's what it's all about. Um, Nigel, thank you so much you. Um, for being a guest on Slow Money today. If you enjoyed this one, please like and subscribe to Interactive Investor Podcasts.